Bibles and you can open to John chapter 4. Uh, I actually did John 4 two years ago. I believe it was in January, but we're going to look at it a little bit different today with Jesus and the interaction uh, with the woman at the well. So let me just jump right into it. I'm going to go through John chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, these verses. Here's what I thought's interesting. Uh, Luke, we read about the prodigal son. I really wonder if this is John's way of writing about an, a prodigal lady that Jesus comes to. The prodigal son, remember, he came to himself, came home, and his father was waiting for him. This lady, though, as she comes to the well, Jesus is waiting for her. So we pick this up in John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. You know, it's pretty well known that Jesus probably baptized his disciples, but his disciples were baptizing others. But notice the argument, right? You baptized? No, you didn't baptize more than me. We baptized more than you. We've got the count. That's, they're arguing about baptism. The Pharisees are, are on him. It says, and he left and departed again to Galilee. Verse 4. I want to just mention first, this is so important. In fact, it's really one of the keys to this entire story. But he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Verse 5, so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, 12 p.m., right? Noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it you, being a Jew, Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said. I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. 
The woman said to him, verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Well, Lord, I thank you for these verses of Scripture today. It's life to those that find them. It's health to our flesh. The Word of God is alive. It's living. And Father, I pray through this interaction with Jesus that, Father, it encourages and inspires us to change and to listen to what He says. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You know, a couple weeks ago we started with the rich young ruler, but the Bible said he came running and knelt before Jesus. The next one we looked at was the centurion that came. In fact, one of the other Gospels not only mentioned that about the centurion, it says that he sent others also that came to Jesus, but to Jesus he said, just speak a word and my servant will be healed. Last week we looked at the friends that took the paralyzed man and they broke through the roof of the house to get him down. So we looked at three different situations where people came to Jesus. This one's a little different. This one, Jesus is already there at the well. And there's going to be an interaction with this lady. It's all going to start when he says, go call your husband. And boy, she speaks truth. You know, nowadays people tell you so many stories. That one thing that Jesus speaks to her becomes so powerful because then she has to go and tell others. You know, when Michelle and I were first married, um, our church had, uh, I think it was just somebody that had a married couples group, and so we decided to go. Probably been married two years, and there was a girl there that she had been on staff at our church a little bit, and I thought, I really thought somebody told me that she was pregnant. That's what I thought. It was in my head that she was pregnant. And so when I saw her, and I saw her stomach, I walked up to her, and I tapped on her stomach just like this, and I said, so Tell me, how far along are you? You ever heard the description? All you ladies like, feel like picking up a stone, I'm sure, and throwing it at me. You ever heard crocodile tears? Her eyes opened, and her, she started to cry. It was then I knew she was not pregnant. I'm telling you, I went from 6'2 to about 3 feet tall. I was like looking for a corner. It was the most miserable night of my life having to eat around. I wanted to, I was going to leave Michelle there, but I didn't want to do that. Oh, all of us say things, right, that we wish we could just, can I back that up and move the finger? You know, to this day, I don't care if a lady is pregnant wearing a shirt and it has an arrow and it says baby, I don't say a word. I, I just figured maybe they've been at the buffet or something. You know, I, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying a thing. My mouth is shut. I'm not getting in any trouble like that at all. Jesus can come across with what he said, yet it becomes life-changing to her. You know, if you read this, the, the little background is, it's interesting when you study the Samaritans, we read a little bit in 2 Kings, that when the Assyrians had come in, they brought in their gods. But the Samaritans believed in the Torah, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But they stopped with the other books that the Jewish people already had. The Psalms, you know, different things with Isaiah. So they're really confused on their worship. What they worship, what they, what they believe. Jesus, was, Jesus is never confused. Right? He's never, he's never confused. 
But her whole value system is going to change because of the encounter that she has with Jesus. Now, if you remember this with me, in Bible time, you know, we're, we're blessed. You know, I got up this morning, first thing I did, pour a cup of water and I drink water. What I do, turn the coffee pot on, water. Get the shower going, water, right? Get out, uh, had another cup of coffee. It was one of those, right? Had another cup, had a cup of coffee here. Water, water, water. Can you imagine getting up in the morning extra early and you get your big pot on your shoulder and you got to go to the well? You're going to wake everybody up. Everybody's going to go with you. Or you're going to do it uh, at nighttime as well, too, to prepare just so you can have water. So as we read that, her thinking at first, when she doesn't have to come to the well anymore, you mean indoor plumbing? You know, that's what she's probably thinking. Something, well, that's not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, last week when we looked at the paralyzed man and he said, the first thing he said to him is, your sins are forgiven. Uh, Jesus, he's paralyzed, right? Well, Jesus always talks about the spiritual part first, right? The spiritual part, the water. But here's what's great about this lady. In John chapter 3, Jesus talks with a man named Nicodemus. He's, he's one of the rulers of the day, knew the Old Testament, probably backwards and forwards. Yet the very last thing Nicodemus says when Jesus talks about being born again, he uses the, these words in John 3, 9. He answers, how can these things be? He gets confused with the term born again. Like, do, do I go back into my mother's womb? How can he's doubt? How can these things be? How is it that this woman, in a minute, when she hears this, what does Jesus say to her? He says, call your husband. I don't have any husband. That's right. In fact, you've had five and you're actually uh, living with one. That so changes her that she wants to go tell everyone what Jesus said. I wouldn't want to tell anybody that, would you? Hey, I met this man, Jesus. Um, he says, I'm just living with somebody. No, she's sharing the whole thing, right? The whole laundry list is out. She's so moved. But this all starts with John chapter 4 in that verse 1, that he needed to go through Samaria. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He needed to go through. This encounter was going to happen and Jesus was going to be there. You know, and I wrote this in my notes. If God is doing one thing that we see, he's doing thousands of things behind the scenes. If it's just one... One thing that you think you see, oh, no, no, he's at work behind the scenes. That's why we trust him. Now, here's what Jesus is not doing. Jesus is not going to use this lady and know that there's a testimony so he can get a big gathering in a little bit of the city. No, that's not it at all. Jesus is concerned for this lady as a person, right? His heart for her may be confused with her worship. But he is going to show himself as Christ to her. Somebody that can't help him do anything, but has questions. It's probably the only individual other than the disciples in the Bible that Jesus spends the most time with. Right? Individually. You know, one of my uh, professors in Bible college always called God the hound of heaven. The hound of heaven. He's always after somebody. 
He's all, always at work. He always has that heart for people, even the people that we're glad they're away from us. He's got such a heart for them. He had such a heart uh, for this woman. He's not overlooking her. He's not looking ahead uh, at the field of harvest that's about to happen. He wants to talk her. In fact, we read in verse 14 through 16 what he says. Go call your husband and come here. And the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You know, I thought about what would I biblically counsel somebody that would come in and said, hey, I've been married five times. And I'm living with that's a you know, that's that's one of those those rough, rough ones to even sit and think about. But this lady, we don't know what happens after, but she's so moved that when she goes back, that's the testimony that she's going to use of what Jesus said to her. You know, and I thought about this is we have to empower people to grow in Christ. We have to empower those of you that have kids, encourage them that they're growing in Jesus, that there's a growth that takes place. Challenge yourself. Everybody point at yourself, right? Challenge yourself to grow in Christ, even when he says the difficult things, right? The most difficult things become life-changing. You think she'd go and say, hey, I just met somebody. I think he's the Christ. He talked about living water. Did he say anything else? Nope. Right? That's what you'd say. He didn't say anything else. Nope. Right? He didn't say anything about your husband that you're living with. Right? You'd think something would come up. No, the thing that changed her, she wanted to take to see others changed as well too. Here's what also hits me in this story. In verse 28, the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the man, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Wouldn't you want to stay away from that guy? (laughs) Come see the man that told me everything. No, no, that's okay. Right. I I think I'll, I'll pass on that one. That's what she said. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. The woman leaves her water pot. I mean, probably one of the more valuable uh, pieces of things that you have. you got to use it once or twice a day. You can't live without water. It would be like one of us that would say, oh yeah, I just left my car on the freeway. I don't need it anymore. You know, I had actually a friend that did that. He, uh, he would have a car break down on the freeway. And instead of getting it, to, he'd just leave it. What do you mean you left it? I just left it. Who ends up getting, I don't know, I don't care. He did a couple times. Some of you that are here know, if I said his name, you'd know exactly. But you can't just leave your car, right, parked on the freeway and don't worry about it. They're going to find you, right? They're going to track you down. She leaves this water pot. She doesn't care that she's left something so valuable. She's going to go and tell others because you know why? Something changed her to grow. Something changed her to grow. People who meet Jesus leave things behind. When you have an encounter with him, you leave things behind. We see those disciples 
Matthew is not going to collect taxes on April 15th ever again. Right? Luke, when we read about him, he's not taking doctor's appointments. Peter's not out doing his fishing anymore. People that are impacted for Jesus leave things behind. She believed who Jesus was, what he said, and it didn't matter if she took what he said to tell others. In fact, let's read where they're towards the end, verse, 30, uh, verse 39 through verse 42, because it gives us the picture. Now, where are the disciples? They went to get food, right? They were hungry. You know, it's one of the times in the Bible we don't really read where Jesus is tired, do we? In the middle of his message, Jesus went, oh, I'm tired. Let's pick that back up. We'll go to chapter 6 tomorrow. No, he doesn't. We don't read that about him. But he's tired. He's weary. Do you know you respond differently to people when you're tired? You ever notice that? You need to get to bed and somebody, you know, wants to call and talk. All right? End call. I don't ever do that. Right? You don't ever do that. When you're tired, you act different. When you're, people, when they're hungry, are crazy sometimes. Right? So Jesus is tired. He's hot. He's weary from this journey. But it doesn't stop anything about him. In fact, the disciples went to get food. And I love that. I always remember when they come back, they want him to eat. Right? Master, eat. No, no, no. I, I, my, my food is to do the will of my father. Does Jesus have a... Does he have a power bar somewhere in his, you know, in his tunic or his sandal? Does he have food? And he didn't tell us. Right? Did he multiply something again? And he didn't tell us. He couldn't wait till we got back. No, what, it, what really charged Jesus was this, uh, this interaction that he had with this lady and what's about to happen in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Notice what it says. Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You know, when Jesus would leave because of verse 1, because of the Pharisees, he found opportunities to get away because he knew he only had a little period of time. If he'd given himself up too soon, in fact, he'd heal people and say, don't tell anybody. And some of the stories, they go out and they tell people. He knew he only had a li limited amount of time. So he was very, very cautious with things. If the religious uh, leaders were on him to try to seize him, he would get out because he only has a little bit of time. He's got to get with people. But when I read this about the people believed at first, not because they had heard Jesus, because of the testimony of this woman. Can I remind all of us that we have a testimony? Look at your neighbor and say, you have a, you have a testimony. Right? Now tell it to him like you mean it. Right? Tell it to him like you're awake. Right? 
call them out and say, you know, you have a testimony. You have a testimony. They believed because of her testimony. And then what happens? Then they meet Jesus and then they believe. Right? That, that's the whole key to this. Is that Jesus starts talking with this lady and she's changed. She's got to tell somebody. And then they get changed and they want Jesus to stay for two days. And yet remember, it's the Samaritans who the Jews uh, and the Samaritans don't like. They don't like trading from each other. They usually walked around the other way, not even having to deal with them. Even when we read that she says, you're a Jew, that was said as a slight word. Not, yet he's going to stay two days because they, they believe and the disciples get to watch everything about this. That it all happens because of somebody that Jesus was waiting on and waiting for. That's what I wrote. What if the God you're searching for, he's searching for you. He's waiting for you. That he's looking to find you. And there's something that Jesus does to this woman. He could have got his own drink, couldn't he? He asks for help. Would you give me something to drink? We don't read anything else where Jesus needs the disciples' help. Well, go find the colt. That's one. Go get the, the, um, the Last Supper room ready. Right? He gives them directions. But he's asking her for help. You know, I, I wrote that down because it's so powerful because I almost sometimes feel like Jesus is saying to me, will you help me? Will you help me? You sit with somebody on the train. Can you, can you start a conversation? The other night, um, it was just me and the kids. We were out, and this lady was standing at the register, and she was taller than me. She was an older lady. And all I asked, my kids, like, like they use the word, Dad, that makes me cringe. You know what that, I, I said, I asked her, did you used to play basketball or volleyball? This lady was talking, and my son's like, you said what to her? Well, the lady's 6'4". She's, right? She says, I, I did. I played basketball and volleyball. So we started talking about it. And she lets me know her husband's 6'5", her son's 6'7". Right? Man. So, you know, it, I, I usually hear that from my dad. You know, it's really embarrassing to be out with you because you talk to everybody. <laughs> right? What are you supposed to go do? Like, you just don't talk to, you know, you get to know people, right? You, you get to, you get, I didn't hand her a card to kind of just, you're in line there. There's an opportunity. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said to a tall, right? That was another lady comment again. I shouldn't have said, but I just figured being that tall, right? You'd play basketball. Sure enough. Well, maybe that was something that I just said because maybe the Lord had me say it, but it just starts a conversation. What's wrong with just starting a conversation? I'm at Costco last Monday in a line that went all the way to the back. I'm just going in to get some iced tea and paper towels, and I'm wondering what in the world is this Armageddon? Why? People are buying toilet paper like as if they're, you know, I mean, it's toilet paper, it's bottled waters. I'm in the back, back, back of the line, I see self-checkout. So I scoot my way up to self-checkout, where they're not letting anybody with liquid self-checkout, because the guy says, you have to check it. I said, well, can you check it? And then I could, you know, I have to go back in line. 
If I just use this as an opportunity, if I'm going to wait 40 minutes, I'm going to talk to somebody. Right? So what are you going to do with all that toilet paper? Everybody in your house, can I pray for anybody in your house with all that toilet paper? Yeah. Would you like to sell me some outside? I'm going to sell some of this bottled water. I can bet you I can get 20, you know. Just conversation. Because I feel like sometimes I hear those words of Jesus ask, he asks for help. Give me a drink of water. Can I help him? Can I help him? When we read that last part of that verse, in fact, let me read it again. They said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. We ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ. See, Jesus is also knocking on people's hearts. But he needs those of us to help him. And I think we said it almost at the end of, uh, of every time I've done a message last few weeks, where the Apostle Paul says, I planted, Apollos waters, but God gets the increase. Even if all I say to somebody at Polly's Pies is I ask them about their basketball and volleyball and I initiate some conversation, I don't know what it might lead to, but it sure might be something where I'm starting to plant a seed if the right question comes up. If I'm going to be stuck in line with people for 40 minutes, why not start a conversation and just see where it goes? Even if you've got to laugh about toilet paper. Find those opportunities. If I'm running in to get a cup of coffee, um, why not make that an opportunity to say, Jesus, is there any way I can help you today? Might be their last opportunity. And you came across their path because you've been growing in Christ. You don't have to have a sermonette ready. What did pastor say on Sunday? I'm trying to remember that. No. Start a conversation. Because Jesus needs your help. Bow your heads if you would with me. It's amazing to think that she believes what Jesus said and it didn't bother her because it became life to her. Part of the power of when we read our Bibles is, is really the reality. It's not as much us reading as the Bible reading into our hearts that we make those changes, even the difficult parts of our life. It's interesting that verse that's in John chapter 3 that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It's not a condemnation of our life. It's an opportunity for our life to grow. God did not condemn. People chose the direction to go. God sent His Son so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Or maybe at one point in your life, you did follow him, but you've gone in a different direction. I want to invite you today to pray the most important prayer that you can pray with all of us. And it's making Jesus your Lord and Savior. In fact, we're all going to say this, and if you're saying it, for the very, very first time, the Bible lets us know in Romans that we say it from our heart and we believe it. 
Everyone say this with me. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived and that he died for me and he rose again. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for forgiving all of my sin. And thank you for bringing me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would. In fact, we're going to close with the chorus. You know, the most important part that we don't see probably in this lady's life is those next steps, but all of us, so important that we're growing, that we're people that are hungering for Him, that we're growing daily in Him. Uh, that's where all of that begins to flow out because He becomes our number one desire. So let's close with this chorus.